At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. At this time, we're going to be continuing to look into God's Word together, and we're going to specifically be continuing a series that we began a number of weeks ago called The Five Follows. And this series is helping us understand how we can grow in our faith along life's road. And throughout this series, we've talked about how our lives are headed in a direction. There are some destinations that we are moving towards in our lives. Either we're going to be moving towards destruction and death or moving towards transformation in life. And Philippians chapter 3 gives us these categories. And as we began this series just a few weeks ago, I asked the question, where do you want your life to go? And everyone wanted their life to continue to move in the direction of transformation in life. And again, the fact that you are here today in week five of this study lets me know that you are still interested in your life moving in the direction of transformation in life. But the question is, how do we get there? And what we have seen throughout this series is that we get to transformation in life, not by following ourselves and our own intuitions, but we get there by following Jesus. And following Jesus is not just some mystical activity, but it's something that has a number of practical implications. And in this series, we have seen that we follow Jesus into his word. We've seen that we follow Jesus into worship and that we follow him into community, which we saw last Sunday. And today we're going to continue by talking about how we follow Jesus by following him into ministry, how we follow him into ministry. And by ministry, I don't just mean being a minister as in, you know, a vocation in some respect. That may be true for some, but certainly not for all. But when I say ministry, what I mean is serving others in Jesus' name. As we follow Jesus, we will follow him into service to others. And this morning we're going to see how God has set us up for that task in a beautiful way. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I, I spent some time out working in my yard. And, and yesterday, I, I spent time working in my yard. And this, this hit me yesterday afternoon while I was working in my yard. It, it hit me that I was enjoying working in my yard. And so here's the question. How many of you enjoy working in your yard? Look around. Those are the old people right? <laughs> we are the old people. There was a time when I did not want to do it, but now it's like a thing, right? I, I'm out there, I'm, I'm working in the yard, but as I was working in my yard and enjoying it, I was thinking about how I was enjoying it because I had some specific equipment. You know, if I was out there by myself, I would not be able to do and certainly not be able to enjoy the task at hand. Can you imagine trying to mow your yard without a lawnmower, just down there on your hands and knees, one blade at a time, just picking it off, right? That would be not very enjoyable or effective. Or you can, can you imagine trying to trim the hedge with just your hands? I mean, that would be pokey and not very good, and it would probably kill the plant at the end of the day. Or can you imagine just going around the perimeter of your yard and using your feet to try to knock down the weeds at the fence's edge? I mean, that would not be a good strategy for how to do that. It would not be enjoyable to take care of your yard in such a way. But given the right tools, given the right equipment, 
it can actually be enjoyable to take care of the yard, believe it or not, right? Given a lawnmower, the task of mowing the yard is okay. Given some hedge trimmers, the task of caring for the bushes and the trees is all right. Given an edger, you can make it all look finished out. It can, is both possible and can be enjoyable. Friends, I, I say that today, not just to talk about my yard. It's not all that impressive. Matt can tell you. But it's, you know, it, it, when I, I tell you that story today because some of us have a similar perspective towards ministry and service. As it relates to ministry and service, we think that, you know, maybe God has invited us into this task, but he sent us out into the yard with just our hands and our feet. And we think that that job is impossible and certainly not enjoyable because we don't have the stuff it takes to do what he's asking us to do. But then, friends, we turn in Scripture and we see that we are sent into ministry with far more than just our hands and our feet. But God has given us equipment to enable us to serve him in a way that is both enjoyable and allows us to be a part of doing the impossible. And so as we look today, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, what we are going to see in verses 10 and 11 is how God has equipped us to be able to follow Jesus into ministry in a way that involves us in his work. So if you've got a Bible, take it out and open to 1 Peter chapter 4, right near the end of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11. I want to read those verses for us, and then we're going to back up and make three observations about how God has equipped us to follow Jesus into ministry. First Peter chapter 4, Peter writes and says this. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, friends, in these two verses, we're going to see three things today about how God has equipped us to follow Jesus into ministry. The first thing we're going to see is this you are entrusted with a gift. You are entrusted with a gift. Now, here's the thing. To help us really grasp this, I want you to turn and look at those around you, and I want you to literally say to them, you have been entrusted with a gift. It's okay. You got a mask on. You can still talk. Yeah, you have been entrusted with a gift. And when we see that come clear for us, not just in what I said or what your neighbor said to you just now, but we see that in the Scripture says, as each has received a gift, all of us have received a gift. All of us have been entrusted with a gift. Now, when you think about the fact that we've been given a gift, that means that somebody must have given it to us. There must have been some purpose or some intention behind it. For something to be described as a gift, it would have had to have a giver that would deliver it to us in some way. And so, who is the giver of this gift? We'll talk in a minute about what the gift is, but who is the giver of this gift? Well, the context lets us know that the giver of this gift is God himself. We see that clearly in the context of 1 Peter chapter 4. 
And so if God is the giver of the gift, in other words, we have received something, we have received whatever we've received from God, let's think for a moment about who it is that has given us this gift. The first thing we might remember is that the one who has given us this gift is one who has all wisdom. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 talks about the manifold wisdom of God. You realize that God knows everything about everything. There's no topic that God needs to go to school on. There's nothing that he needs to learn. God knows everything about everything. And not only does he know everything about everything, but he knows how to take what he knows and apply it in the best way in life, in a righteous way. So God is one who has all wisdom. So the one who has given us, whatever he has given us, has given it to to us from the depths of his wisdom. Second thing we might think is that the one who has given us this is also one who has all authority. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Now, here's what's significant about that. Knowing that the one who has given us this gift has all authority, that means that nobody told him to give it to us, right? Somebody who has all authority doesn't have to take orders from anyone. God is at the top of the food chain. And yet God, who has all authority, has chosen to give us something. That means he wants to give it to us. He knows everything and how to apply it. And he gives to us not under compulsion, but because he wants to. And not only do we see that, but we also see that God has authority over all places and all situations and all people. In Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12, we have this idea listed where the psalmist says, there's no place on this earth that I can go, Father, that would take me away from your presence. There's no place that is outside of your jurisdiction. There is no place where I can hide. This means that the God who knows all things and the God who has all authority and gives out of his grace and not under compulsion also understands exactly the time and the place and the situation that you and I are living in and going through right now. And so the God who has all of this going for him and the God that we remember who he is has given to us a gift. And so who does that gift go to, and why do we think that we're included in it? Well, he gives to each. He gives to each. Verse 10 again says it, as each has received a gift. Well, who are the eaches, right? That's the question we ought to ask. Well, again, the context lets us know. The eaches are the elect exiles. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 lets us know who Peter wrote this letter to. 1 Peter 1, 1 begins from Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus. We typically put the author of a letter at the end of a letter, New Testament letters, they, they put their name first. But he says, this is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, it is to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Now, in those two little words, the elect exiles, we find a little bit of who the each are. First of all, we find out that they're elect By elect, it means, again, that God has all authority, and he has initiated a relationship with with us. And so if we have trusted in Christ, it's not by accident. It's because God has invited us into that relationship. 
And so if we have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, not only are we forgiven, but we can know that we are, are part of the elect. So this is a letter that is written to us if we know Christ. The fact that a gift has been given, it's been given to everyone who has trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. But not only is it given to the elect, but also to the elect exiles. That word exile is an important one because it talks about the life circumstance that the believers in the first century that Peter wrote to were experiencing. They were not experiencing some lap of luxury. They were experiencing great hardship because of their faith in Jesus. They were being persecuted. They were exiled. They were scattered. They were being mistreated because of their faith in Christ. And yet, even though they were being mistreated because of their faith in Christ, God had still given them this gift. The God who understood all places and times, the God who had all wisdom, friends, had even given them their gift because of the circumstances they were going through. And so the God who knows everything and the God who is not giving under compulsion and the God who is sovereign over every location has chosen to give a gift to each of us. And so the question we ought to ask then is, what is that gift? What, what is the gift that is mentioned here? Because God gives us many gifts, doesn't he? I mean, God gave us community. He gave us each other. God, God gave us the gift of forgiveness. He gives us the gift of eternal life. What, what is referred to in this gift? Well, I don't think when he uses the word gift here, he is talking about those specific ideas but I think he, he has a different gift in mind because those are gifts of, of life and of forgiveness that all in Christ have, have received. And yet there is something that is varied about the gift that is given that he refers to here. I think that what he's referring to is the gift of empowerment for ministry, the power tool, if you will. It says, you know, here a definition of a gift as referred to in 1 Peter 4 would be something like this. It's an empowerment of God's grace given to equip us for God's task. I say it's an empowerment of God's grace because it says that each gift that we've been given is, is a, a varied manifestation of God's grace. It, it's been tailored specifically to us to equip us for a particular task. And it might be one gift that is given to Christian, and it might be another gift that is given to Tina, but all of us have been given a gift of God. If we are in Christ, we have been given a special empowerment of his grace to equip us for a specific task. Examples of, of what those gifts are are found in a number of different locations in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's actually a couple of lists in 1 Corinthians 12. In Ephesians chapter 4, there are a number of different lists given about how God equips us. But one of the things you'll notice if you were to go and look at all of those lists is that they don't match up. It's never the same list of gifts mentioned from passage to passage. What that tells me is that none of these are a definitive, comprehensive list. They're meant to be a representative list of the kinds of things God does. But the idea is that God gives a number of different gifts, things like the ability to teach and the ability to encourage and the ability to serve and the ability to give. He's given all of those as gifts and he has scattered them 
among his people. And he has scattered them among us so that we might be equipped to live out the task that he has for us. And that task is to find the lost and to disciple the found. There are a number of New Testament passages that, that talk about this, but I love Ephesians chapter 4, especially as it, as it is connected to giftedness because it's one of the passages that mentions some of the gifts. But this is how our task is described in Ephesians 4, verses 8 to 16. It says, Therefore it says, When Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, what is the, the, the purpose? What is the task that God has called us to? It's the task of building up the body of Christ, inviting those who don't know Jesus to know Jesus, and helping those who know Jesus to grow in their relationship with him. This is the task that you and I have been equipped for. We're in each. The God who knows all has, has given to us for a specific purpose. And not only that, but he's given different gifts to different ones. We're, we're not all the same. Russ is different, is gifted differently than Doug is, to which they both would say amen, right? What a, <laughs> thank you. What, what, a, what, a, what a gift that God, God has given to us and that we, none of, no one of us have all of the gifts, but we've all been gifted differently and placed together in community so that we might use the varied gifts of God to serve one another in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about this idea in the analogy of a body. Just as a body has many parts but one body, God has gifted each of us differently for the purpose of following Him and helping others to follow Him as well. Now, there's something really significant and encouraging that I see inside of this passage also, though, and that has to do with the word various. In, in 1 Peter 4.10, there's this great little phrase where it, where it says that there's varied grace. God has given varied grace. That word varied is used one other time in the book of 1 Peter, and that's in chapter 1 and verse 6. In chapter 1, verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Same word, various or varied. And so do you see a connection between those two concepts? I think Peter does, for sure, and, and God has authored it in this way. 
See, there are various trials in this world, so God has given various gifts to meet those needs. Various needs, therefore various gifts. And all of this was lived out in the context of persecution. It's as if Peter is writing to this beleaguered church, and he says, Church, you are not allowed to hit the pause button on serving because you're persecuted. You have been gifted to serve because of this era of persecution. God had equipped them in a certain way to have a certain impact. Now, friends, I think this is a significant principle for us to consider because we live in the middle of a pandemic and we might want to say we should hit pause on serving because we're in a pandemic. Friends, we serve a God and know a God who is sovereign over all things and He knew this moment and He equipped us for this moment that we might be used of Him in this time and in this place to serve Him. Friends, we, have, we are living in a world of different needs, but God has given different gifts to meet that need, and He's scattered them among each of us. Edmund Hebert makes this comment of this. He says, The Lord of the church has distributed His bounty with masterly variety to enable His people successfully to encounter the manifold trials to which they are subjected. God knew what He was doing when He put you in this time and in this season. He's equipped you for this task. You are entrusted with a gift. You know, August is a big month in our family. It, my, my birthday is in August, and just a couple of weeks ago, I had a birthday, and, and with that birthday, I got a number of gifts. You know how many of my gifts I opened? All of them. Every one. Didn't, didn't leave any unopened. Ripped into all of them, usually within seconds of when I knew that they were for me. Um, why did I do that? Because they were for me. That's what you do with a gift. Friends, God has entrusted to you. He has given to you a gift. This morning, rip it open. Look at it. Remember it. Acknowledge it. God has equipped you in a certain way to have an impact in this certain age. You're entrusted with a gift. Second thing, though, that I want us to see from this passage is this. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is not for you. Would you turn and say that to somebody around you? Your gift is not for you. Now, once again, you don't have to take your neighbor's word for it, but that's actually what we see inside of the passage. Why has God given us this gift? Why has God equipped us in this way? He's given us this gift and equipped us in this way not so that we could walk around and feel better about ourselves, not to to stroke our ego so we could say, I am gifted, not so that we could take a test on a website and walk away and tell everybody what my personality type or my gift is so that we could just kind of revel in some kind of self-acknowledgement. That's not why God has given us a gift. Those things can be helpful for us to understand how we're gifted, but in terms of the purpose of the gift, it was never intended for us just to hang on to it ourselves. As a matter of fact, the gift that God has entrusted to you, guess what? It's not even yours. It's His. It's on loan to you from God. Well, we see that in 410. 
when we're called stewards, as good stewards of God's very grace. The gift that you have received has been just loaned to you for a time and for a season. One day we're going to see God again and give an account for our lives. God desires that we would have stewarded his resources well while we're here upon this earth. Now, when I I talk about a steward, it reminds me of a story when I was back in in Texas a number of years ago, serving at a different church, and and my wife and I uh, were asked to watch uh, the other pastor's kids while they went away for about eight days. So Kimberly and I moved into uh, our friend's house, and they had two young daughters, and and we watched them. And, And as we watched them, you know what we did? We tried to live life as, as though the parents were there. We didn't let them stay up till midnight. We, we, we kept bedtime as parents had determined. Why? Because we were going to see their parents again, right? So we wanted to live according to their rule, rules. These were their, their kids, not our kids. We were just kind of helping to steward them along for a season. We gave them nutritious food. We didn't just feed them Frankenberry for three meals a day. Why? Because... We were stewarding them according to the plan the parents had for them. In the same way, friends, when we think about our lives, God has entrusted us with a gift, and He desires that we steward that gift, that we use it the way that He intended, not to make us just feel better about our lives, but for us to use the gift as He would use it in the world. So how are we to steward it well? Well, we steward it well by serving one another. It's very clear from the passage, our gift is not for us. It was given to us with a desire that we would use that gift to serve one another. God has gifted some with the gift of encouragement, not just so they walk around with a smile on their face, but so that they might encourage those around them. He gifts those with teaching, not just so they would be educated, but so that they could help educate others. He gives people the gift of serving, not just so that their house might be put in order, but so that others might be that way. Friends, this is, God has equipped us and given us these gifts so that we might serve one another. Your gift is not your own. You know, we we live in a, a time and an age that wants to take spiritual gifts and make them some kind of trophies on a shelf but God intended them to be power tools that would be used. Some he has given a mower, some he has given an edger, some he has given teaching, some he has given encouragement, some he has given serving, but he's given to all for the purpose of using them and serving one another. Edmund Clowney makes this comment about this passage. He says, Christians eagerly discuss spiritual gifts, but in a way that would surely distress the apostle. Their concern is not how they can serve others and bring glory to the Lord. Rather, they seek self-fulfillment. They want to discover their gifts so as to establish their own identity. In a Christian context, they want to do their own thing. That gifts are granted for service is lost from sight. Friends, God in His wisdom, God in His sovereign good intention has given you a gift for the purpose of you using that gift to serve one another. That's why God has given you this gift, that we would be a good steward to that end. And so if, if our desire then is to take a step and to be a good steward and to, and to serve, what, what should we do? How do we get started? Well, the first thing you should do is just start serving, right? It's not all that complicated. Just start serving. And in some instances, this is going to be just 
as a way of life, in your Monday-to-Monday existence, as you live out your days, that you would seek to just put others' wants, needs, and desires above your own, that you would see a need and you would meet it, that you would just serve those around you. Just a way of life. But also, as we gather together as a church family, that you would not just come as somebody who is, who is here to be, you know, entertained or, or just to, to be a, a passive, you know, watcher of this experience, but that you would show up with an idea of, I'm, I'm coming here with an opportunity to serve others. God has equipped me and gifted me for just such a task. Just find a spot and begin to serve. And as you serve, try to serve according to your gift. Now, those gifts are, are different that God has given to all of us. He's given some one gift and, and others another. But what's interesting to me is in chapter 4, verse 11, there is two general categories of gifts that are mentioned. Some of the gifts that are mentioned are, are those of, of speaking. If you're going to speak, speak as the Word of God. And another category is a category of serving. If you're going to serve, do so in the strength of God. Two general categories of, of gifting. We might put another headline on those of serving with our words or serving with our works. Now, when I talk about spiritual gifts, it might be hard to narrow down how you're gifted if we were to make, give, you, give you a list of you know, 25 or 50 or even 12 or 13 different kinds of gifts. But when you look at these two broad categories, most of you have some, some sense of, of where you fall on that. Am I more gifted in serving with my words or am I more gifted in serving kind of with my works? Am I more gifted in serving in front of people or behind the scenes? When you think about understanding those opportunities, begin to pursue other opportunities where you can serve according to the way that God has wired you, the things that kind of make your soul sing. But as you begin to serve in those areas and you begin to serve according to the way the Lord has has gifted you, also just understand that there are going to be opportunities for how God can use you. And those opportunities are, again, are placed by a sovereign God in our path that we might step in to meet those needs. And so look for opportunities to use the gifts that God has given you. When I, when I talk about that related to Wildwood, just know that there are a lot of opportunities around Wildwood for you to use your gifts. And certainly in interpersonal relationships and in casual ways, that is true, but also in a formal sense. You know, one of the things I love about Wildwood as a church is that this is a place that really has a heart and a spirit for service. It's been true for the 20 years that I've been on staff here. And so this is not a, a call of chastisement. This is a call of admonishment to excel still more. Because as we sit right now in this time and in this space and this season, we have hundreds of people who are volunteering around Wildwood, but know that we have at least 200 openings right now that we need right now for people to serve. And we would love to help you take a step into those opportunities and, and serve the way that the Lord has gifted you. In your bulletin today, there's a little orange piece of paper that looks like this. And on this paper, uh, there, it's organized in a couple of different ways. On one side are opportunities for how to serve on Sundays. And on the other side, it's opportunities for how to serve either seasonally or throughout the week. And then those opportunities on Sundays and through the week are organized in light of 1 Peter chapter 4, either as opportunities to serve according to works 
things that you might do maybe behind the scenes or whatever, and, and ways to serve with your words. Um, these are all real opportunities, and we would love to have you take a step forward into helping us meet some of these needs that we might build up the body of Christ and serve one another in a big way. The way that you can let us know which of these opportunities you might be interested in is by going to our website, wildwoodchurch.org serve, and just let us know how you might step in. Sometimes in a big place like this, you might think, well, somebody else is doing it and they don't need me. The answer is, yes, there are other people who are doing some of the things, but there's way more that God could do right here through our body. And, but we need all of you to do those things. And so we'd love to invite you to follow Jesus into ministry with us this time and in this season. So you are entrusted with a gift, and your gift is not for you. But the third thing that I think I want us to see from 1 Peter chapter 4 is this, your gift keeps on giving. Your gift keeps on giving. The gift that God has sovereignly entrusted to you for the purpose of serving others is a gift that keeps on giving. And we see this very clearly come out for us in verse 11. Because in verse 11, it, it's, it adds some dimension to this serving, and it talks about what God continues to give to go along with the gift that he has given One of the things he continues to give is his word. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. In other words, if we're to serve using our words, God has not just given a gift to be able to encourage or to teach or to share, but God has also actually even given the words, right? The Bible is God's word. It provides the direction that he wants us to teach and to encourage with the things he wants us to pray for for those as we open our mouths and pray for them. The gift of of teaching or encouragement, those gifts that relate to our speaking or our words are given the very words of God. So God not just gives the gift, but he also gives the words to speak. Not only that, but he goes on and he says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. God does not just give us this statement of, saying that we should serve, and he doesn't even just give us the gift of serving, but also he gives the strength to do it. He fills our gas can so that we might be able to serve him, and this is the provision of the Holy Spirit. So again, it's the gift that keeps on giving, the the gift to serve, the opportunity to serve, but also the strength to do it in. And And if God gives the gift, and God gives the words, and God gives the strength, Guess who gets the glory? God, right? In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Friends, sometimes we think, I want to serve so that other people will tell me good job. That's not what Peter says. Peter says we serve, and if we do it right, you know what they're going to say? Not good job, but they're going to say good God. That's what it means for us to serve according to the gift that has been given to us. It's God's gift. Therefore, he receives the glory and the honor. When you think about it, your gift keeps on giving, but what does it keep on giving? It keeps on giving glory to him. Friends, God has sovereignly gifted you 
And the God who knows all places and all times and all season, in his wisdom, he has placed you here and he has placed all that he has placed inside of you for the purpose of you serving others in his name, for the building up of the body of Christ, to find the lost and disciple the found. Friends, this is what we get to participate in. And just as we've done throughout this series, you know, as we talked about community last week, I said, honestly, community at Wildwood is not something I want from you just to fill rows or to fill chairs in classrooms. But it's ultimately something we wanted for you so that you might have the encouragement of the body of Christ around you. The same thing, friends, is true here. We have a a whole page full of needs, right? We've got a couple of pages full of needs. But ultimately, it's not just that we want those needs filled. It's not just that we want something from you. But friends, when it comes to serving, we, we want something for you. We want you to live out God's provision in your life in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And again, if you're trying to think through what does it look like for me to take that next step, we really would love to hear from every single one of you who is not currently connected in some way in serving just by going to our website and letting us know the areas that you might be interested in serving and taking that next step. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you so much for just the opportunity to open your word and to look at this incredible section of scripture today. Father, thank you just for your grace that chooses to use us to share this message of hope and life with the world. What a privilege and what a blessing that is. Father, I pray also thanking you for how you have equipped us for that task. Father, I also thank you that you have equipped us differently, that ministry is not just something to be done by a few, but it's something to be participated in by all. So, Father, I pray that you would help us know what it looks like for us in different times and different seasons to take steps forward in ministry to others. Father, you have equipped us for this task. May you receive glory as we follow Jesus into ministry together. In Jesus' name we pray.